Good morning. Thank you all for joining us today on this uh, beautiful Lord's Day as we uh, worship His name and as we remind ourselves what is truly important in this life, and it is that Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, came down to live on this earth as an example for all of us and how we ought to live, and who died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could live with God forever. That is why we're here, to remind ourselves of this, to encourage each other with these words, and to worship the God that made all of this possible, and to lift up the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, who was more than willing to sacrifice Himself on the cross for us. Amen? We're very glad that you're here. Uh, We are in the midst of a series, and most of you, if not all of you, have heard about it. It's called One Word. We're reading in these devotional books, and I'm preaching on the Word uh, that you will then read about in the week to follow. And uh, let me give you just a little housekeeping update. In this week's reading, you will see, uh, if you haven't already, that page 30 is the exact same as page 29. And that's not because the stuff on page 29 was so important that they thought you should read it again the next day. I think it was an error. Uh, But never fear... Because we have the actual contents of page 30 as a handout in our lobbies. And so on your way out, as you pick up your bulletin, uh, be sure to pick up the other piece of paper there. uh, That is the actual page 30. And and slide that into your devotional book and make make sure you read that uh, this week in your readings. I also wanted to mention to you, I haven't yet for our Sunday morning crowd, that over 18,000 of these devotional books that we are reading uh, have been purchased by Christians all over our country. They're being used in many hundreds of congregations. And so it's highly encouraging to me to know that we're not the only ones participating in this, but we're joining something much bigger, uh, and that we have many brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who are joining in these readings along with us in 2017. And one more thing. Jerry wanted me to mention that also in the lobby, you will see the house-to-house, heart-to-heart magazine that goes out. And uh, this is is a work that we and the Al Hollow Church have joined hands on. This is a publication that is high quality in in terms of its uh, presentation and content that we are ensuring makes it into the mailbox of every household in Franklin County. And that's highly encouraging to me. Uh, it, it ought to be to you, because in each of these publications, there are not only great articles, but you have in there uh, the most important information of all, which is to how to become a Christian. And that's making it into the hands of people in every house in our county. And if you haven't read yours yet, or if you hadn't seen one, those are also available in the lobby. So be sure to grab it, and, and when you grab it, know that that's something that is being distributed all throughout our county. Let me ask you a couple questions as we get started this morning. Can you think of the time when when you were the angriest that you've ever been? The maddest that you've ever been? Can you think of a time? I mean, did did a story automatically pop into your head? a, A specific occurrence in which you can vividly remember how fighting mad you were? When is the last time you got mad? Was it this morning on the way to church? (laughs) 
Were you walking up to the doors, yelling at the kids, and then when you touched those handles and walked in, it was, hello, brother, hello, sister. So good to see you. All smiles. Maybe it was this morning. Maybe, maybe this morning's the last time you got mad. I want to share a couple of stories about some times that I got mad. I recently transferred uh, some home videos from my computer. I had taken them on my camcorder over to some DVDs. And so we popped one in the player, and we were all watching it. And it was from last winter when we had a snow. Do you all remember what that was like to have snow and for it to be cold in wintertime? Uh, just last winter, we had a snow. And Lauren had the video camera going, and I didn't know that it was going. And in the background, you can hear me. My vo- I have raised my voice. And I'm starting to fuss at one of the girls. You better not. And she cut that camera off so fast. And uh, I'm thankful that she did because, um, you know, sometimes you got to get mad. You got to be firm with your children. But I don't want those occurrences recorded for all, all time. I don't want my kids to go back and say, you know what? Dad, Dad was mad a lot of the time at us. He, he did yell at us a lot. So I may find a way to erase that. The next story I want to share is even worse than that, and I actually hesitate to share it with you, but I will, because, you know, I want to be transparent. But we were at making music at Fried Hardeman. You know, all of our Christian universities have these strange musical productions that you can't explain to outsiders all that well. Fried Hardeman's is called Making Music, and Lauren and I went back just last year, and I was sick to my stomach, not having a great time. And we sat down next to some people, and I had to go out to the restroom, and Lauren was there before Avery came along. She's got our two older girls trying to keep them in line. And the lady sitting next to her leans over and says, you know, it's hard to hear with them talking. And Lauren, not not hearing her, said, excuse me? And she said, you know, it's really hard to hear with them talking. And Lauren didn't know what to say, so she just nodded and went about her business. So then I come back in, and Lauren said, this lady over here, you'll never believe what she's got. I said, what? And so she told me. And so I said, well, let me have a seat. Let me have the seat beside her. So I switched with one of the girls. And after Lauren and the girl, Lauren took the girls out to the restroom, I leaned over, and I said, and oh, I shouldn't have said it. But I said, if you have something to say about my children, you can say it to me. And she said, What? And I said, if you have something to say about my children, you can say it to me. And things deteriorated from there. And I'm not going to share the rest of the details with you, but I met Lauren in the back and said, we're going to have to find a new seat. I'm sorry. Oh, and she was really upset with me. Uh, She was mad at me. Uh, But what links these two stories is that I was greatly, I am greatly embarrassed by my behavior. And I acted in ways that I now regret. I overreacted. Likewise, many of us as Christians are really embarrassed when it comes to the idea of an angry, wrathful God. We don't like to think about this side of God, that that God could become angry. This phrase, The wrath of God. It's uncomfortable for us to consider. We are embarrassed by it. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to see it in the Scriptures. We don't like to hear sermons about it. And if you don't like to hear sermons about it, well, you're you're just in the wrong place this morning. Because that's what our sermon's about. You know, it hasn't always been this way, though. 
One of the most well-known sermons of all time was a sermon preached in New England by a Puritan preacher named Jonathan Edwards in the mid-1700s. And it was called, and many of you will know the title, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And You can get online and you can read the uh, text of that sermon. It is not a sermon that you would hear preached in many or most churches today. We don't even like to sing about the wrath of God. Uh, it was nearly impossible for us to find any songs to sing this morning to go along with the sermon that even mention wrath. And one of the few that we found has faced a lot of controversy. A few years ago, the hymn selection committee of the Presbyterian Church USA decided to not include in Christ alone in their hymnal. This beautiful, powerful worship song that we sang together, it's one of my favorites, but this group, and I'm not picking on this group in particular because there might be many other groups for whom this would be uncomfortable, they didn't want the song in their hymnal. Why? Because of this one line. We sang it. And on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. They were uncomfortable admitting in song that God is capable of wrath. And that on the cross, His wrath was satisfied by the sacrifice of Jesus. Before they omitted it, they requested to the songwriters that the line be changed to this. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. Now that's a beautiful line, and it's perfectly biblical and appropriate. And I would rather talk about the love of God than the wrath of God, but because this is not the idea that the, the songwriters were trying to convey... They rejected the proposal, the people who wrote the song, and therefore the hymn was left out of the hymnal. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to hear sermons about it. We don't like to sing about it. It makes us uncomfortable, this idea that God is capable of wrath. But here in this congregation, it is our conviction that what the Bible talks about, we must talk about, even if it makes us uncomfortable. Where did we get the idea that, that God is never going to say anything that upsets us or offends us? Where did we get the idea that God is going to conform to all uh, of our uh, thoughts and uh, the, the way that we live our lives? God steps on our toes in this book. And He often makes us uncomfortable. And He offends us, but that doesn't give us the right to ignore what He has to say. And so, in an effort to be biblical this morning and to hear the entire counsel of God, we are going to consider this word that is the word of the week, wrath. And let me tell you, the Bible talks about wrath. And it talks about God's wrath. 300 times in the Old Testament is this idea of God's wrath mentioned. And just so you don't get the idea that it was an, only an Old Testament thing and that was the God of the Old Testament. But the God of the New Testament is all about love. No, God's wrath is also mentioned several times in the New Testament. Now, just to be clear, his anger is different than mine. I told you about my anger uh, in those circumstances. I overreacted. It was not justified. God's anger is always justified. And it's not an occasional blow-up. It's, it's not some temper tantrum that, that God throws. It is a crucial part of who He is. And if we ignore this side, this facet of God, 
then we are missing out on the fullness of God. And I would also submit to you, if we don't consider the wrath of God, we can't fully appreciate the love of God. God is love, of course. He's a God of steadfast love and abundant grace and mercy and patience and long-suffering. But the Bible also teaches us that He's a God of justice, of judgment, of anger, and wrath. You can look at Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, a little bit later. If you want a good example of how the Bible holds those two ideas, those conceptions of God, together. So what does the Bible say about God's wrath? Well, for starters, sin is what unleashes His wrath. On the way to church this morning, Elise said, Dad, what are you talking about today at church? I said, I'm talking about what makes God angry. And she says, I know what makes God angry. I said, what is that? And she said, when we do sin. And I said, you're exactly right. Sin is what provokes, it is what unleashed the wrath of God at the beginning of time, at the beginning of creation. And let me say, sin rightfully angers God. God is justified in being angry at sin because this is not the way He intended for things to be. This is not how He created the world. He wanted good things for us. He wanted to dwell, us to dwell in perfect communion with Him. And so He is rightfully mad that sin has gotten in the midst of that and messed it all up. His anger, His wrath is justified. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 13, when God says to Eve, after she has taken of the, the forbidden fruit and she's given some to Adam, he says, what is this that you have done? And he could have asked that question to Adam too, but he poses it to Eve. And in that question, what is this that you have done? What have you done? I hear, what I hear is a disheartened God. I hear a disappointed God. But I also hear a God who is angry at the choices that His precious human creation had made. And during the wilderness wandering, it is the sins of Israel that repeatedly, over and over again, make God mad. We, many of our Sunday school classes just last quarter studied uh, numbers. And we saw this cycle over and over and over again. Let me just share uh, an example of this in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 7. Moses says, remember and don't forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. What got him fired up? What got him mad? What made him angry? It was this. From the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against God. You have been rebellious against God from the time that he brought you up out of slavery and he's mad about it. You provoked him to wrath and to anger by your rebellious and sinful decisions. Sin makes all humans deserving recipients of his wrath. Sin makes God mad. You and I are sinners. And so our sin makes him mad. It makes him angry. And we deserve to face the penalty that accompanies his wrath. We don't like to think about that. But we, we deserve that. And God would be just uh, if he were to punish us with the fullness of his wrath in the life to come. And in fact, that's what the Bible says. That we will receive his wrath if we remain in our sin. Something else 
about wrath, this is a bit better news. Thankfully, Jesus' sacrifice is what satisfies God's wrath. I believe this to be a biblical idea. I believe that line belongs in that hymn. We're on the cross where Jesus died. The wrath of God was satisfied. Let me share with you some scripture. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. And this is the part of the sermon when we say, thank you, Lord. This is, a, this is the part of the sermon when we praise. Romans chapter 5, verse 9 Since we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from God's wrath. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can be delivered from God's wrath. We've been justified by His blood, and as a result, Christ is going to save us from facing the full brunt of God's wrath because of Jesus. Another passage, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 10. Paul talks about a Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. It is because of Jesus Christ that we are provided a way, the only way, to escape the wrath of God. He gives us a way to escape God's wrath. And then 1 Thessalonians, a little bit later in this same book, chapter 5, verse 9, this, this sort of brings it all together for me. Paul says, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's intention is for us to receive salvation through Christ. God does not want anybody to experience, to face His wrath. His desire, what He wants for us, is to experience salvation through Christ. And so we say to these verses, to this idea, praise God that because of Christ. We don't have to experience the wrath of God. But, before you get too comfortable, let me share a couple more passages about God's wrath. And these ought to keep us on our toes as believers. As those who try to order our lives around the will of God. Romans chapter 2. And if you've got a Bible, I I would ask you here to grab it and go with me. To Romans chapter 2. This was our passage read earlier by Chris. But I want to tack one more verse onto the front end, verse 4. That's where I want to begin in Romans 2. Paul says, Do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? In other words, do you think that you can receive the grace of God and then live in any way that you want to live? Do you presume on God's kindness? Do you think you can just receive it as a gift and then just live it up and and rebel against God and not seek to follow His will and expect to continue to receive His kindness? Paul continues, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. You're storing up wrath. You are filling up a cup of wrath that you will experience on the day of the Lord. Now, you may not experience it right now. You may just be bebopping along through life and everything is going just fine. Everything's going your way. But let me tell you, if you have a hard and impenitent heart and you refuse to allow your life to be ordered by God's Word, 
then that cup of wrath is filling up and it will be poured out on you on the day of the Lord. Verse 6, He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. Those who seek to do God's will and as a result of his grace will receive eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking, for those who do not obey the truth, for those who obey unrighteousness, there will be, verse 8, a verse that we don't like, we don't like to read it often, but it's there, so we've got to. There will be what? Wrath and fury. Now this was written to believers. This was written to people like us. To people who have received God's grace. To people who have said yes to Jesus. To people who have embraced Christ as our Savior Paul says, if God's kindness doesn't lead you to repentance, if it doesn't change your lifestyle, then you better get ready because God doesn't have life in store for you. He has wrath and fury. Look with me also in Hebrews. Lastly, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and 27. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. This This goes right along with Romans 2, the passage that we just read. The Hebrews writer says, If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, if we have no desire to break old sinful habits, if we have no desire to put the flesh to death and to live by the Spirit, if we continue to intentionally choose sinful lifestyles and behaviors, what does the Hebrews writer say? there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. The blood of Jesus no longer covers your sins. If you have decided to live in a way that is rebellious before God, there is no longer a sacrifice for sins? I mean, wow. That ought to, that ought to get our attention. That ought to... That passage ought to grab us by the collar. But, a, and it's not finished yet, verse 27, a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversary. So here's the bottom line. The knowledge of God's truth, the experience of His kindness, which many of you, most of you who are baptized believers in the house today, you have knowledge of His truth that leads to salvation. You have experienced His kindness. These things ought to lead us to repentance. And when they don't, when they don't compel us into a new form of life, into a new way of life, then we can expect to experience God's wrath. In other words, God gets angry. God is mad. When His people don't respond to His goodness and grace with obedience. From the beginning, as I said earlier, God has wanted to exist in relationship with us. When humans decided to sin and rebel, God was mad about that. God has now made a new way through Jesus for us to share in relationship with Him. That's what He's been about from the beginning of time. That has been His quest from the, very, from the time that sin entered the world. And now He sent Jesus and He's made this new pathway for us to be in relationship with Him. And we're just going to reject that too? And we don't expect God to get a little mad about that? 
Especially after we have received that gift and we have acknowledged God's goodness and we have, we have embraced His grace, if even after all that, we decide not to live in a way that pleases Him, not to try our best every day, to honor Him, to follow His Word, to be obedient to Him. And you know, often it's not that we want to get God mad. I don't think any of us are going to walk out here out of this building this morning and think, you know, I really want to fire God up this week. I really want to poke the bear. We don't intend to get God mad. It's often that we turn to sin instead of God to deal with our fears and insecurities. Anytime we hit a bump in the road, anytime we face a challenge, a trial, our coping mechanisms have been shaped and fashioned by the world. And what do we do? We don't run into the loving arms of our Father. We don't dive deeper into God's Word and His will. What do we do? We fall back into old sinful habits and behaviors. That's how we deal with life. When we say, I just cannot, I cannot even anymore, we don't run to God. We run back into unhealthy, unfulfilling, empty wells of sin. And you know what? That not only disheartens God, That not only disappoints God, that not only makes God sad, it makes God mad. It angers Him. And we should remember what the Hebrews writer has to say in chapter 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you have lived a life that is storing up wrath, instead of an obedient life in submission to God and His Spirit, then it will be a fearful thing for you to fall into the hands of the living God. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you storing up wrath by resisting the way of Jesus? Or are you storing up glory by submitting to the way of Jesus? And listen, this is not a call to perfection this morning, and I'm not telling you that because you messed up Monday and, and then again on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and, and that you your cup of wrath has been filled up. No, I'm saying that there's a difference between sinning and living in sin. And all of us are going to sin, but, but the choice that we have to make is, are we going to allow God's, the, God's Son's blood to cover us, cover those sins? Are we going to every day say, God, I know that I have messed up and I'm going to mess up And I need your grace. And I confess those sins to you. If we do that, God is faithful and just. He's going to forgive those sins. What I'm talking about is people who totally spurn the way of life that is laid out in the Scriptures. Who totally reject this obedient life that God has called us to live. If you're one of those people, then you need to heed the warnings of Scripture this morning. And you need to ask yourself, am I living a life that's making God mad in my rebelliousness? Or am I living a life that is making God happy in my submission? You have a choice to make. You can either choose Jesus or you can choose wrath. And praise God that he's given us Jesus to deliver us from wrath. And the choice is yours. The ball is in your court this morning. I urge you, choose Jesus. Choose the Jesus who drank the cup of God's wrath even after praying 
that God would let it pass from him. God, please don't make me go through it, but he did. He took the full brunt of God's wrath so that you could experience God's love. Choose the Jesus whose blood delivers us from God's righteous anger. His blood at the cross and his blood continually throughout our Christian life cleanses us from our sins. Out of deep gratitude to God's kindness, his goodness, and his grace, I urge you, order your life around the will of the one who died for you. Do you need to realign your life this morning? Do you need to come to Jesus Christ, confess faith in Him, and be baptized in that water for the forgiveness of your sins? If you haven't done those things, you need to. That's the way you choose Jesus over wrath. Or if you have been struggling and you want to come and confess sin, and you need the prayers of this congregation to bolster you again, I urge you, this is also a time for you to come. Won't you do that as we stand and sing?